Hi, this is Editor Inky, just dropping in a small apology for the weird audio quality in this particular episode. We're still in the process of trying to get our setup correct and <laughs> figure out where to put our microphones, and there's a lot of uh, noise around us as we live in apartments. So we're also looking forward to upgrading our equipment at some point in the future so there's less noise. So please forgive us this small inconvenience of the sound being inconsistent and somewhat tinny with a lot of background noise. If you can forgive that, we will see you later. Bye! Well, hello there. Welcome back to What the Fear. Hello. It's a podcast about all things dark, spoopy. And today, we actually have a little bit of an internet mystery for you guys. Well, I wouldn't say it's a mystery so much as it's just, you know, online storytelling. I like the idea of it as being a mystery, though. Okay, well, let's talk about it. We're talking... Today, we're, we're covering the, the Gideon Keys or the Calgary's Keys of Phenomenon. And it's one of my favorite, all-time favorite bits of storytelling from the internet. The way that they describe Calgary really makes me wish that, like, I could look at my city and be that imaginative about yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Like, maybe there's this dark underbelly or, like, occult, you know, stuff happening. It'd be really, really interesting. Well, I'm here to give you a little bit of a background on it. So, if you don't know anything about this or... Uh, I know there's a lot of people on the internet that don't follow creepypastas or ARGs. So there's a lot of different things on the internet. There are ARGs, there's the SCP network or SCP society where they contain and protect, uh, secure, blah, blah, blah. That's a whole story unto itself and one another one of my favorites, but that's not what we're talking about today. So what she's saying is that if you're a normal human being and don't spend <laughs> your entire time on the computer yes. dwelling in a basement. Yes. Uh, so there, in in my mind, this is one of these like quiet heroes of storytelling that nobody talks about. Even looking on YouTube, there are very few people who are who are discussing it or even do readings. Like if you look up SCP on YouTube, there's a billion different channels covering the lore, the stories, but there's I hardly mean, anybody there, covering this. I mean, there's even fucking mer- merchandise for SCP stuff. There are movies. There are like independently made, made yeah. movies. Yeah. So first, if for us Americans who don't know anything beyond our front doors, the city of Calgary is a Western Canadian province of Alberta. It's situated at the junction of Bow River and the Elbow River in the south of the province. It's 50 miles east of the front ranges of the Canadian Rockies, roughly 186 miles south of the capital of Edmonton and 50 miles north of the Canada-U.S. border. And it's kind of a cool place because downtown it features an eclectic mix mix of restaurants and bars. Yes, I'm reading from a script. Cultural venues, public squares. She's a big phony. (laughs) Including the Olympic Plaza (laughs) and lots of shopping. They've got a bunch of tourist attractions like their Calgary Zoo, the Taylor Spark, which is, I think, is the giant, it's a giant building. It's bigger than the Seattle Needle or whatever it's called. Oh, dang it. I'm here. I was hoping it was a giant (laughs) shrimp statue. I think that's what that is. I've heard, I, I didn't look into it. I just read about it and I was like, I no, I've heard of this. We spark. don't do research here. Uh, it's the, not allowed. The Telus Convention Center, the chi- they have their own Chinatown district. Uh, they have the Museum of Glenbow, <clears> the <throat> Calgary Tower, which may actually be what I'm thinking of instead of the Spark. And the art cal- they have an art gallery of Calgary. So they have like a bunch of museums and art centers and stuff. It's really cool. It's funny if you are completely wrong on the Spark and the Calgary building because then like you just made us look like the typical American. oh yeah I have a t- no this is Wikipedia don't even don't at me I don't give a shit um, and then at the district score is a popular 17th Avenue known for its bars and nightclubs which I guess are it would be kind of like uh, what's in Austin 6th Street 6th Street during the Calgary and then they also have like you know they love their sports there so they've got the Calgary Flame Stanley Cup run which was during 2004 and it was free, that particular avenue was frequented by 50,000 fans and supporters per game night. So the concentration of red jersey wearing fans led to the street's playoff moniker, the Red Mile. 
Honestly, as soon as you start talking sports, I'm lost. Well, it's important to some people, so I figure I'd throw it in. I don't really care. But, you know, it is what it is. So our story begins in March of 2009 on the 4chan's X boards, where an anon who could be named James claimed to find a composition notebook left behind in uh, McGowan Hall of the University of Calgary. They became known as Calg Anon, and they began posting images and transcriptions, originally known as Calgary's 200 Phenomenon, Each entry describes a cult phenomena that occurs either in the inner city or a borough of Calgary. So I've got three stories that I hope will tickle your curiosity just a little bit and let you go investigate the story further. Because if we sat here and read all the keys, it wouldn't be much fun. Oh, it would be fun for us. But I think it's more fun to lay in bed at night on your phone reading them and and just letting your mind wander. She said it would be fun for us. (laughs) It would be fun for us. She would be forcing me to do all the reading. Would I? Whatever. As usual, I will have links in the descriptions of everywhere that you can find our podcast. By the way, we didn't I didn't mention up front, but if you didn't catch that last week, you can now find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as YouTube. We've officially sold out to no one. Exactly. We're not making any money. It's just for fun. We broke as fuck. Hell yeah. All right. So my choices, um, the first of my three choices is number 10, the salon. And it goes a little something like this. There is a salon in Inglewood that seems perpetually frozen in the late 70s. The decor, the clothing of the hairdressers, even the equipment and magazines seem to come to a stop at around 1978. If you go there during the day, the able stylist will be able to provide you with a deftly executed, if extremely dated, haircut for a price that is equally as deflated and out of place. However, if you return during the night, the salon's true area of expertise will become apparent. Entering the shop after sunset, even if you just exited it, will reveal a shocking transformation. As before, the store will be furnished and appointed as though it were the late 70s, but the decades between then and now will be visible. Everything is aged and cracked, as if it had been left to the elements. Most shocking of all, the bottles of hair product and comb sanitizer have been replaced with row on row of murky jars containing vague, fleshy shapes. One of the stylists will remain, and she will offer you a shave and a haircut. Refuse the shave, lest you be left faceless. Instead, ask the stylist to pick something that suits you and sit in one of the chairs. She will cut off your face with a straight razor but the process will be strangely bloodless and you will feel nothing. But I'm sorry, your vision will fade to black for a time. And when it returns, one of the faces from the jars will have been seamlessly transplanted. Your features will, in every respect, be identical to whoever the face belonged to before the stylist stole it. And over time, your body will change to resemble theirs as well. If you must vanish, this is how you do it. But be warned that you can never get back your face, and the friends and enemies of the face's owner will mistake you for them forever. See, like, that's just so much more creative than anything I would have thought of. Uh, yeah, I never like, you know, thought of that. When you're a little kid and you you see that one empty house, you're like, oh, there's, there's just ghosts in there. There's a witch in there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. This person went above and beyond. Like, their creativity is just... I just love that it's from the 70s. It's this old, like everybody has one of those old, outdated beauty parlors somewhere. Well, I mean, maybe not everybody. Did you want to take turns or did you want to read? Oh my. Um, yeah, sure. Okay, you go next. Okay, so one thing that I'll admit about myself is that when it comes to like unsettling or possibly like horror or uh, supernatural stuff, for me what truly sparks fear is when something ordinary or mundane is the center of focus. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's this um, creepypasta that's been going around called 
the stairs in the woods. And we'll oh, probably talk about those later. Yes. Those are my absolute favorite story. I love story. that story. Oh, my God. <clears throat> but because of that, uh, one of my personal favorite Calgary keys mm-hmm. is number 63, okay. the pen. They were so close to greatness. <laughs> okay. There were six off. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear it. Okay. So I'm just going to read it straight off as it is. Yeah, that's what I did. There's a pin in circulation in the city. No one seems to be able to hold on to it for long. It's always left on a desk, at school, or loaned and not returned. The pen itself is nondescript. A plain white bick that writes in either black or blue ink, depending on whose account of its history you believe. The pen is remarkable in that it is only capable of writing the truth. Now imagine that. Yeah. Couldn't bullshit a love letter or no, anything. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. Does that mean you couldn't uh, do a fraudulent check? That too. Yeah. But I well, considering that, like you know, Valentine's is around the corner. Could you imagine, like, you're trying to you're like, trying to write love? I yeah. love you so and so. Yeah, it's like, oh, how I love you, but instead you're writing, man, I love that fat ass. <laughs> Or, I can't fucking stand you, but I can't get anyone better. Ooh. You'll have to do. Yeah. Ooh, that would hurt. That's mean, right? Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> if something untrue is written with it, the pen will appear to be out of ink. So it literally oh, so you won't can't let ri- you. It won't, you can't write anything. It'll just stop you. Yeah. Locating the pen is difficult as it moves almost of its own accord, but you can easily locate it by sympathy. Break open a pen of the same color and rub the ink on your palms. When the pen draws near, you will feel your skin begin to tingle, and whoever owns the pen at the moment will leave it in your hand at the slightest pretext. So basically, just say, hey, can I borrow a pen? Can I borrow a pen? Yeah. The unfortunate side effect of this sympathy is that the pen's honesty rubs off on you. The only rule to observe when using the pen is to never engage in automatic writing, which I don't know if any of y'all know that, what that is. Yeah, should we t- should we tell people? So this? automatic writing is the belief that you can go into kind of this trance-like state and serve as a conduit for the dead, and somehow or, by scribbling on a piece of yeah. paper, you're quote unquote writing the message of you know the dead or just spirits in general. Okay, um, sketching or any other idle activity, your hand will be compelled to reveal things your mind ought to hide. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. So, like I said, it's it's for me. It's when something ordinary can be the crux of your fears because you look at a monster and you're like, okay, yeah, that thing's gonna fuck me up. Like it's 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 horrifying. It's got fangs. It can fly. It's nightmarish. Or but you look at a pen and yeah. you're like, it's just a pen. How is that gonna ruin my life forever? It's funny that you mentioned that because it reminds me. Do you remember the Lost Door? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, I talk about this all the time to everybody who will listen, but there is a series on sci-fi called The Lost Door, and it was similar to this. There was a bunch of unique items from a a hotel room, and uh, this guy, I'll just give you the premise, the guy finds a key to it, and he's able to open the door up, and his daughter, I think it's his daughter, gets lost. The door shuts, and she disappears, and he goes on this huge journey through all these different items to try to find her. Well what this particular entry reminds me of is there's a pen and every time you tap the pen on any surface it will give you a penny and some people would get so obsessed with getting pennies that they were just tapping 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 mm-hmm. it drove people to insanity yeah and the crazy thing about that show which i recommend to anyone is it's that good. like it's like sometimes combining objects gives you different results oh yeah i forgot about that part we need to watch that again 
It was a fun show. Okay. I still want that wristwatch, though. The one that would, like, you would put an egg in it and you would have a hard-boiled egg, oh, like, hell five yeah. seconds later. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That was a good one. All right. I'll read to you now the entry number 113, the cellular phone. Do you remember this one? Uh, no, I don't. All right. I'm going to read a little slower. The first one I was really excited about. I'm going to read a little slower yeah, this time. Yeah. Calm down. I know. I'm very excited. I love these. All right. Enter- Drink your chamomile. Yes. Drink some tea, everybody. Take a moment. Okay, so enter Hillhurst Elementary after hours through the girls' door. Do not use the key to get in. That's another item. As the school no longer stands in the desiccated world it opens into. Or onto, rather. Instead, pick the lock through a more conventional means or secure the key, a normal key, to the school through some legitimate method. Then climb the stairs. The school has collected a handful of ghosts like all buildings. Echoes of sound and heartbeat reverberate through the air, but the dead here are slow and calm. Climb to the top of the building and enter the cloakroom at the top of the staircase. It will be empty at this hour, other than a leather jacket too large to belong to the children. You will hear the sound of a cellular phone's ring from the moment you walk into the room, and after a moment's effort, you will find it in the jacket's pocket. The phone is an old Nokia. Further proving... (laughs) That those phones are indestructible, even in the afterlife. What says open it? Has there ever been a Nokia that you flip open? Oh, you know what? I don't know. What says open it? I guess what it means is turn it on and hold it to your ear, but say nothing. Do not even breathe. For as long as you can remain silent, the person on the other end of the line will tell you everything you need to know to solve whatever problem you're currently faced with. But once you breathe or speak, she will stop mid-sentence and scream. The scream will be deafening and you'll pass out quickly. Explaining your presence in the school at night in the cloakroom will prove surprisingly easy. Claim you came back to reminisce. The principal will ask you if you were a student there once. Tell him you like to think that you're always a student. He'll recognize you as an acolyte and allow you to leave. But from then on, you're going to owe him a great and grievous favor. I like that one. So, um, it would be nice for someone to just tell you how you're fucking up and how to unfuck your life. Well, I mean, imagine for the person... Well, I, I, can't, I imagine it's also not just whatever problem you're facing as a normal human being, because as you'll see in some of these entries, there are, as you probably have ascertained, there are two versions of Calgary. Yeah, and there's obviously, you know, factions. The fact that the, the, the principal recognizes you as an alkali... An acolyte. Alkaline battery. Alkaline, you're an alkaline battery. Double uh, A. Yeah, so, no, he recognizes you as an acolyte. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, that's pretty dang interesting. It's just kind of weird that you have to go in through the, the women's, the girls' bathroom. Yeah, it's a, it's a very specific way. So what, what it makes me think is that in the other world, you can only reach certain rooms through certain hallways because they coincide with one another. It's like they have a very tenuous grasp on one another. They're not the they're the same and yet not the same. It's really cool. Yeah. All right, what's your entry? Your next entry. Okay, so my next entry is 186 the morgue. Oh, spooky. So <clears throat> the reason I chose this one will be kind of uh evident at the end. Yeah. But let me go ahead and read it and we can we'll go from there. It. All right. Um, there is a morgue hidden beneath the coroner's office by Colonel by the Colonel Belcher, right across from Point McKay's complex. To get inside, you need some means of picking the building's lock, 
the key will not do. We should we should probably talk about the key I could, because yeah, I'll it does seem to be coming up quite a bit. Okay, and it it, it does kind of help to have this information beforehand. Yeah. Um, the key will not do. As while the morgue survives amongst the ashes, however you enter the building, entering the morgue itself is far harder. If you break into the coroner's office, look for a small red button into his desk. You have only a short time before you are noticed. If you find it, press it and dart through the panel that opens. So it's like, is the coroner in on it? Because this button is obviously in his on his desk, uh-huh. you know, and But yeah, more importantly, before you're noticed, what does that mean? Yeah, so somebody is there. Yeah. This is the whole like there's factions in this kind of that- like underground of you know calgary uh descend the stairs and try not to be bothered by the growing cold eventually you will find yourself in a morgue furnished and fashioned in a turn-of-the-century style uh white tile that is yellowed with age covers the walls and floor and the drawers are fused to shut all except three mm-hmm. drawer six should never be opened it contains the body of whoever opens it and the autopsy wounds the body bears will soon spread, killing you instantly. So yeah, if you open drawer number six, you're gonna see your dead body, and it's basically gonna become you. You're basically gonna you start dying from the moment. Yeah, you like see it. the instant you start pulling the drawer, instead of it squeaking, it's going oh my wamu, <laughs> shindeiru. Oh my god! And before nani? you can even say nani, you're dead. You're dead. God, we suck. We're nerds. Yeah, we're um, we're uh, trash. Anyway, uh, drawer twelve should also never be opened. It contains nothing but burning blood that will fill the room with unquenchable unquenchable fire. I know English. Gross. Burning blood. That's smelled with smell terrible. Well, I mean, would it though? It would just I, I don't know. I've never burned blood. So. Uh, I mean <laughs> I know it sounds. Anyway. Okay. So <laughs> drawer 13 contains the body of an illegitimate saint who was martyred when the RCMP raided his home. Break from his dried body a small piece of flesh or bone or tooth or else a patch of his clothing. Carry it with you always and nothing dark can touch you. Ooh, that's spooky. So as you can see by the ending of this, you know, there are obviously forces in this kind of alternate Calgary that are trying to stop you or act as sort of the antagonist mm-hmm. of whoever is writing these entries. There's the darkness and there's the light. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I really like... What is an illegitimate saint? Is it a saint that has not been recognized by the church but is still a saint nonetheless? Yes. I, okay. I, at least that's what I'm assuming because I, I'm not... Or it could just be a saint mm-hmm. of whatever the acolytes... Like, whatever their, whatever their whole thing is, it's a saint within that acolyte... You know, you that know actually I mean? kind of makes more sense. Yeah, me. so it's like nothing dark can touch them because they have their own saint, right? And I also love the whole symbolism there where it's like drawer 13. You know, 13 is usually the unlucky, unlucky number. number. It also kind of makes me, it's not the same thing, not even close, but it also reminds me of a hand of glory. It's like a hand that you keep that makes you less visible when you're breaking and entering, I think. That's what it, that's what it was in a book that I read, but I think an actual hand of glory is something else, but... Anyway, it was a mystical item made from a dead person, so they're similar enough. Yeah, but, I mean, I want you to wrap your head around this. Think about it. The fact that, like, you have to open this drawer and see a dried husk of a corpse 
and then break a piece off of it to protect you. I feel like if you're already in that other world, if you're already dabbling, you've seen a lot of corpses anyway. Well, (laughs) okay. So like perfect example, perfect example is when you talk about some of these keys. Yeah. How did this person get the knowledge? Somebody had to do it first. Yeah. Somebody had to do it first. Cause in a lot of these instances, they just, you just die. Isn't that a lot, a lot how grimoires like real, not real, but a lot of uh, how grimoires are made where these witches and wizards and people created their own spells and then imparted their knowledge onto others. I suppose. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting because it gives you the point, kind of like the feeling that this isn't the first time someone has explored this other realm or, you know. How many people didn't make it? Yeah. I mean, only the survivors will tell you the story. Which, like, I hope in one small way you decide to read these and then you look at your city in a whole different light. Yeah. Think about, think about weird places that maybe you grew up around and think about what could have been or what might be. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, for all you know, that closed down little corner store is now where a small roving band of, you know, occultists are now starting some sort of ritual to open a panel, like the freezer door. You open the freezer door now and it leads to this dark world or the upside down or whatever the hell you want to call it. Mix, Mix stranger things with your world and see what you get. Okay. Well, I've got uh, number 114, the DVD. Do you know this one? No, I don't. All right. This one's kind of long, so everybody settle in with your tea, all right? In the new Crowfoot Public Library, there is an extensive collection of DVDs that can be borrowed, provided you have a card. One of these, which nobody seems to borrow, is inside a blank case that inevitably seems to get lost between shelves or reshelved in the wrong section. The disc inside the case is unmarked as well, although it isn't a DVD-R. And for those kids of you that don't know what DVD-Rs are, they were blank DVDs you could record stuff on. We are showing our age. In the dark days, that's how we did it. We did not look that up. We just happened to be alive when that happened. Yeah, it was a different time. Attempting to borrow the disc will earn you a strange look, but no strong protestations. That's a word. Yeah, that is a word. That's letters put together (laughs) to make a word. Someone definitely put that together. Take the disc home and do not wash it until after dark. Put the disc in your player at one in the morning and press play exactly 10 seconds later. The screen will crackle to life in media res, the action already unfolding by the time the camera comes on. The scene depicts the murder of a man named Nick Maharis gutted like a fish on the platform at Sunnyside Station. His intestines spilling out onto the concrete. The camera is dropped after he hits the ground and the killers leave. The camera remains focused on Maharis as he bleeds out, watching the slow progress of his abdomen emptying onto the ground. Strangely, the pattern formed by his entrails differs every time you watch. He will make eye contact with you at the moment he expires. The disc is of no use to you unless you are skilled in Haru Spicy. If you are, you can see reflected in his innards the current future of the war. What war? So that's, once again, it's one of these weird things where it's like, oh, you can get insight, but you have to watch this DVD. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's making the mundane and normal Well, you're, you're, watching, you're watching a snuff film, for one thing. Well, no, but who would have thought that, like, this, you know, DVD mm, would have of, this, of first, first of all, would have a snuff, you know. In a library. Yeah, in a library, of all places. Yeah. There's and no, then now there's like, oh, not only did you just see somebody <laughs> fucking die. Get, get, he got literally dis, what is it called? Disemboweled. Yeah, disemboweled. There's a little bit more. 
Um, other mysteries of Calgary include the various colored. Oh no, this is this is not part of that. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's you. So think about it. You, you've got yourself a library card to this particular library in Calgary. You go in. You have first. You have to find this DVD that's usually getting lost. And the person, the people there in the library obviously know what's on it because when you go to check it out, they give you a weird look. Yeah. But they're like, all right, buddy, go for it. Well, once again, it's one of the situations like, are they alkalites or are they, you know? Well, it, to me, it's not always whether they're on one side or the other. Some people are just in the middle. It's kind of like Harry Potter where it's just, there are just vendors that, that are in that world, but don't necessarily whatever they're just like they'll cater to what whichever side because they're in the middle of it they're neutral okay they're well, neutral I mean, parties what i'm saying is at the end of the day there's people with a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. about what's going on at least more than you know you would initially think mm-hmm. you have another one for me i sure do all right i'm excited i was thinking i know i said we would do three but i think we should just do like a super long episode since we love the calgary keys so much we should talk about it quite a bit well i mean because see i have two that i absolutely love okay they're my absolute favorites and i had to kind of decide which one of those i was going to pick so now you're going to so now i'm going to do both okay go ahead so this is one of my absolute favorites because it mixes a fear that people have of like say going to the dentist because that's what it's called the dentist the dentist it's entry 161 okay People already have an irrational fear of going to the dentist because, you know, toothaches hurt. You know, tooth pain in general just sucks. And then you're always afraid that it's going to hurt whenever they do something to you. Well, I kind of feel like in in the realm of pain, anything that has to do with your mouth or your face, anything that has to do with your stomach are always the two worst pains anyone could have, in my opinion. For me personally. It could be. But let us know what you think about that. (laughs) But here we go. Let's get into it. I'm ready. There is a defunct dental practice on the top floor of the Northland Professional Building near Northland Mall. Although the door is supposed to be locked, it's open between the doors of 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Tuesdays through Fridays. I like this this dentist's work ethic. Fuck Mondays. Yes, right. Fuck Mondays. Although technically now your Tuesdays are Mondays, so you know. So whatever. You know, it is what it is. Um, The building is locked before this, so in order to get into the office... You will have to hide at the bottom of the basement stairwell until the coast is clear and then sneak up to the top floor. Now, let me preface this by saying that, trust me, a lot of what's about to happen, in my opinion, is totally worth it. Okay. Use the stairs. The door never opens to anyone who took the elevator. So, no taking the easy way out. Yeah, you gotta work up there. Yeah, you gotta make it work for you. Okay. The office looks like any other dental practice although noticeably more upscale and dated. The chairs are real leather, and the walls are paneled with mahogany outside of the patient's oh, room. wood paneling, yes. <laughs> All the fixtures are ornate and beautifully decorated. The receptionist is quiet to the point to where you may first mistake her for a corpse. When she calls your name, proceed to the exam room one and lock the door behind you. There you will meet the night dentist. The dentist will ask you what you're in for. If you tell him you need a cleaning, he'll investigate your teeth, frown, and tell you to leave. Your teeth will crumple to dust within a week. Now that's crazy. What if I just wanted my teeth clean, though? <laughs> well, if you're going through all the trouble oh, okay, to, all right. to see this guy. All right, fair, fair, fair. If you tell him you need a tooth pulled, he'll smile and start pulling. 
For every tooth you let him pull from your mouth, you get a wish. Ooh, anything you want. It just says a wish. Wow. Take them all, baby. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. (laughs) So my question to you, the audience, is how many teeth would you let him take out of you comfortably? Well, more really, the the question is how many do you think? Because there's no there's no painkiller. So, yes, this doctor does like to see you in pain. So you will not have any sort of anesthesia. So think about getting a tooth pulled without any anesthesia, any any not necessarily anesthesia, any gas. So how many do you think you could stand before you ask him to stop? And here's the thing, like he pulls it out like yeah. it's not like he's gonna do incisions and no, like he just yanks it you know work with the you know, root of the teeth and also no he's just gonna yank this sucker out however you get a wish in return mm-hmm. i know i would try to stomach two i think i could do two yeah i would definitely try to stomach two i could do two lastly oh there's more you can tell him you need a root canal a long slow root canal You'll be subjugated to the most torturous pain imaginable. But if you endure it, which seems to suggest you can die during this, or if you pass out, it doesn't count. Oh, so you have... Okay, not only do you have to endure the pain, but you have to stay conscious. But if you endure it, you will never die. It's worth a shot, isn't it? I mean... Because, I mean, if you... Okay, if you don't die from it and you pass out... The idea is you could come back and try again. It's not like that was your one shot. You're not wrong. Like, if you pass out, you're like, all right, fine. I'll do some endurance training. <laughs> I'll eat really good that day. I'll, you know, I'll, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just start biting aluminum foil. Yeah, I'll start I'll start actually hurting myself. I'll build up my pain tolerance. I'll go back. <laughs> I'll try again in a month. You know, like, you could go back. You could, you could take one tooth out. And say, I wish to be able to endure any kind of pain ever. And then come back and have a root canal. You could do that. Or maybe not. He likes to see you in pain. He'll be like, no, no, no. Yeah, and then next thing you know, all your teeth turn to dust. Yeah, no, never mind. But okay, but you could, but there is no rule that says you couldn't try again. It's really kind of like the whole like classical genie style thing where you try to pull a fast one on the genie, but at the end of the day, you still end up being the one getting fucked. You try to pull a a sneaky on them. Yeah. I love that one. So, um, when you know how we kept talking about the key, the key. So I felt I pulled up the key, which you suggested, which is a good idea. And so this is entry number one twenty one, the key. And it says, "There's a coffee shop in Bonus called <laughs> Bo- Bonus B O W N E S S." Oh, and here I thought you were saying boners. I thought I was saying, "Let me get that pizza boneless." Ah, well, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> bonus co- uh, called Cadence. So there's a coffee shop in Bonus called Cadence. Go in and order a large black eye and specify that it has to be made with the Prince of Darkness roast. Your coffee will be served in short order and will consist of four shots of espresso poured into a cup of the house's darkest roast. I think this is like a dream come true for you. (laughs) I am a coffee addict. (laughs) You're a coffee addict. The espresso will be oxidized so the coffee will be the most bitter thing you've ever had. It says drank, but I don't like the word drank. It's big, so it's the biggest, the most bitterest thing you've ever What's had. What's wrong with the word drank? Drank because the way I say drank, it sounds I my te- my little bit of Texan comes out. I can't say drank. 
It's drank. <laughs> Here's the thing. You say your little bit of Texas comes out. I'm pretty sure to the audience out there, they're like, oh, these two bitches are from Texas. I have no idea. You, you'll you have to let us know. Anyway, if you fail to drink the whole cup, you will never be able to get the key. If you do down the entire drink, you'll find a small key blank at the bottom of the mug. So blank key. Take it and leave. This blank will fit any lock in the city as if it were the appropriate key. However, the door will not open into the room that it normally does. Instead, the room will be bloodstained and decayed, and look out of and a look out the window reveals a desolate, apocalyptic landscape. So what you're saying is my apartment. <laughs> so what you're saying is my old bedroom at home. Yes. However, some of these desolate rooms contain secrets and artifacts of the years to come. Be warned though. If the door closes behind you, the key will turn to dust in your hands. You're, you're basically trapped. Yeah, so you're basically fucked. Also, if you do happen to live in Calgary and you do all this stuff and you use the key on a door and you somehow find yourself in my room. Yeah, you find yourself in my apartment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bring a cup of coffee. I, I actually like to talk. Come visit. Yeah, yeah. use the key. Find us. Let's have a conversation. You can meet our cats. It'll be yeah. great. It'll be great. My little hellion. Don't mind the horrible, desolate, apocalyptic view. That's just the city in Texas that we live in. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. It's fine. Don't. That's just what Texas looks like. What are you talking about? Okay. So. Another one for me. Yes. Oh. So, like I said, I had the two favorites and I was saving them for last and having to choose between the two was kind of a pain in the butt but now that I get to yeah, now get that away I, with another one now that I've opened the floodgates okay. okay so for me this one's a very close second to my favorite and this is entry number seven the beach ooh the beach there is a beach within the city to find it step into any elevator and go to the top floor press any bunny any button <laughs> Any button. <laughs> I love. I love Disney World. I love Disney World. My favorite. Okay. I love buttons. <laughs> okay. To find it, step in any elevator and go to the top floor. Press every button in ascending order, including the close and open door buttons. Okay. Doing and, that now. Okay. Yes. Um. Instead, I love that they let us record on this elevator. By the way, I do too. Um, instead of opening into the next highest floor, the elevator will open into a small cottage. The door of the vacant cottage will open onto the beach. The beach is warm and apparently temperate, shockingly beautiful at every hour, but blood and some sticky black substance will color the white sand in long streaks. Oof. So yeah, obviously there's some fuckery going there's on some here. Fuckery you thought somewhere. this was going to be a vacation spot? Surprise, motherfuckers. Wrong. The beach is bordered on one side by an impossibly thick forest. Entering this will make your life forfeit. So, as much as a nature lover you may be... Stay out of the forest. Stay out of the forest. Yeah, I mean, my personal thing is avoid the out-of-doors, period. But there's some crazy people I like to be out there with yeah, nature. Yeah, don't, don't, go, don't go... Camping is for losers. Also... <laughs> I mean, I'm not a lover of camping, but yeah. I'm not going to, you know. Yeah. Me and the sun have this agreement that I don't fuck with it. It don't fuck with me. We don't talk to the sun. Yeah. We're not on talking uh, terms with the sun. Mm-mm. 
The beach is bordered on one side by impossibly thick forests. I believe I read that already. Yes. At sunset and sunrise, a group of men dressed in traditional clothing of different religions, most prominently Ashkenazi rabbis and Protestant ministers, will emerge from this forest and search the beach in silence. Sifting through the sand as penance for their lives of deception. Oh, hell yeah. These figures will be so taken with their work that they will refuse to talk to you, only muttering, searching, searching, must keep searching. In their native tongues. So if you don't speak yeah, you have no idea whatever the hell on. language they're speaking, you know. Total darkness and proper sunlight burn these poor souls. So they must return to the forest. So whether it's day or night, they're being burnt. Yeah. So it's kind of when it's only sunset and sunrise, it seems, is when they're so in, like, the, in the twilight hours. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure there's some sort of like meaning behind that. Like yeah, they're not. They can't even they can't even come out in proper daylight or proper nighttime. They always have to live in between. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will be alone on the beach. The water stretches impossibly far, as far as the eye can see, and further still. Wider and higher than the ocean, and far stiller. This water will soothe you as you gaze upon it, but never let it lull you to sleep outside of the cottage. The men in the forest may find what they're searching for within you. Oh, shit. Because they're going to search you. Exactly. So, of course, explaining, you know, the black and bloody streaks on the sands... Oh, people who've fallen asleep before. Yep. That's awesome. What an awesome story. And I mean, I'm not too familiar with the area around... um, Calgary? Calgary. But it's just so interesting that he starts off like, yes, there is a beach and it is here. But, you know, you may have... want to go? (laughs) Well, it's not even that. It's like, you kind of have to deal with some fuckery. But, you know. We have a beach where we live and we never go. So... (laughs) She's not wrong. I mean, it's like we said, fuck the sun. Yeah, where's where's the lie? I have one that is my favorite because it shows how old I am. It's super it dates me. It dates it dates a lot of us. Um, did you have anything else you want to say before I just stumbled? No, 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 no. Okay. So this one is called is not entry number one hundred. The AIM bot. Oh, does anybody? I loved AOL Instant Messenger. I loved AOL. I just, it was my window into the internet when I was a teenager. So the funny thing about that is that you said AIM and I was around for America Online Instagram. You were using the the, the MSN one, weren't you? No, no. I was actually around for AIM. Here's the thing. You were saying that and it's so long ago that I genuinely forgot about it. We used to talk on AIM. Yeah. Yeah. You went out when we were first dating. We talked on AIM. Yeah. Yeah, so just to give you guys kind of a scope is like, you know, nowadays everybody has Discord and older than that was TeamSpeak and before that was MSN Messenger. There was all these different ways that people could chat. AOL, well, AIM was a completely standalone. It's like Skype on its own. But um, AOL used to have its own chat rooms. And for those of you who grew up with AOL, like I did, dial up and all that, it was amazing. Being able to talk with people from around the world was insane i did terrible things as a teenager this was before internet stranger danger this was before i mean there was there was now that i look back and think about the people that i i didn't know but just people seeing what they would type in chat and look what they were looking for there were so many predators on the internet when i was a teenager there's still more now 
But they were just kind of out in the open back then. Well, see, and the funny thing is it's not just the whole predator thing. Because, like, some of the stuff you were telling me you would role play. Yes, yes. Um, yes, I admit it. Like, I am a pretty kinky bitch. At least I try to consider myself a pretty kinky bitch. It and you're over here. No, it wasn't sexual. <laughs> it wasn't sexual. There so was, she claims. No, no, no. So there used to be, okay, you know how people did Dungeons and Dragons in real life? They would get And they would meet and play Dungeons and uh-huh. Dragons. This was like Dungeons and Dragons. Because, but with sex. No, 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 no. Not sex. There was, you can try. You can try. But there, there was no sex. And it, it was like we had our own die system because AOL had a die roller. Because at some point, AOL realized the potential for this. So it kind of facilitated. It had its own small bots that you could use for dice and stuff like that. So their discord wasn't the first one no no but i mean they were very minimal they weren't necessarily bots that people created they were made by aol itself they were integrated into the into the chat rooms and so there was a section of the chat rooms that was literally called role play and it was like the gaming area and it had different rooms that people would make and one of them that was the most popular to me and the one that i remember will never forget for the rest of my life is the red dragon inn and it was a tavern based role-playing game and i'm and now that i talk about it to people people are like yeah red dragon from such and such game and i'm like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about (laughs) like i didn't know what they meant but um so yeah so it was one of those things where you'd make your character and sometimes there were guilds that you join and then you would have your own stats they would make a stat page for you and you could level up and everything was just like D D. But with sex. <laughs> so, oh, it's a good thing you didn't have any sex. Some people used it for that. I uh-huh. didn't. I was young. Oh, I'm sure you didn't. I really didn't. All right. So going back to what got us on this tangent was the AIM bot. So for those of you who remember AIM, you remember that there were bots. For and that. there was a lot of role play sex. Yes. A lot of it. Uh, sometimes out in the open. Well, I'm just saying, you know, for us nerds, because I love D&D. Yeah. You know, there's Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody was and a then, fucking and then, bard. And and then for Inky here, you know, who was playing the bard only version of D and D, was playing Slaves and Masters. Slaves and Masters. No, no. I, um, I I remember distinctly like a role play where I, I played a mermaid in a tank in the bar, and that's all I played was just I didn't. I, and it's funny. It was an interesting d- dynamic because you were playing one character, and then the other characters as they were playing their own stories would integrate you into their stories because you were part of the surroundings and it was and I wish I had the logs from all of that because it was really cool anyway did your character poop like little fishy stringy I should have I wish I had back in those days but I was too busy trying to be cool and edgy Uh, I feel trapped in this water please let me free on a weird tangent there getting back to Calgary yes there is an AIM bot, or AIM if you prefer, that only exists within the city of Calgary. To access it, search for a wireless signal anywhere in the city and connect to an unsecured network. Ooh, scary. Once you're online, start a new AIM account with no contacts. The account's name must be a Western first name like John or Sarah. It's racist. This is currently almost impossible since most common names have been taken. However, some more esoteric or foreign names have been found to work, and as have names from antiquity. For uncommon names, the names of saints seems to have the most success. When your account is made, log in and add Pagan, P-E-I-G-A-N, as a friend. Pagan will claim to be a bot maintained by the city to help tourists, 
and will answer any questions about traffic, weather, restaurants, theater, or any of the city's attractions with a cheery, friendly text. However, however. Because there's always a however. Yep. The more you talk with Pagan, the less cheery and friendly it will become. Of course. Well, like, it's like with anything. Like I, that, It's like any that, human being you well, ever talk I'm, to. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. The more I talk to someone, the more they're like, is this bitch ever going to leave? <laughs> uh, after about two hours of conversation, Pagan will be angry and will rudely insult whatever you ask it about. After three hours, Pagan will begin to threaten whatever location, person, institution, or object you ask it about. After about five hours, Pagan will sign off. The last thing you ask Pagan about will be in some way destroyed within a month. It's vitally important not to use your real name for the AIM account or Pagan will know who you are. Spooky. Spooky. Well, see, and it's funny because, like, the instant you said, you know. However. If you st- yeah, however. However. That's the key word. However. Yeah, that, that's going to be the name of this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. episode. That's this episode. However. However. Um, it'll destroy, you know, whatever you asked it last about. Yeah. For everything that is sacred and holy, do not, like... Don't connect with Pagan. Yeah. And well, not just that. It's like, could you imagine you, you, you're you doing this, yeah. you know, because this is fictional. Yes. But let's say you're doing you're this You're in this world. You're an acolyte or you're an occultist. And you're like, how is my ex doing? <laughs> Evil begets evil, my dear Gwen. That's what I'm saying. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like, don't, don't do that. Or do do it. I mean, if they're a total asshole. Like, I'm an asshole. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, if they pee and don't put the seat back down, then maybe do it, you know? It's okay. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So, so I hope, uh, and, oh, and another thing I wanted to mention, I didn't mention it when I read my entry about Nick Maharis, but... The reason why Nick Maharis is named by his name is because he's a major player in this in this story of the Calgary Keys. Because uh, if you go to the wiki dot page, which I will have linked for you, don't worry, babies. I got you under. I got you. Um, you can you will start to notice that there are, are several major key players in this story. There's an overarching story of people involved in this world as well. It's not just it's not just you know this thing that place. It's also these people who are recurring characters what happens to them obviously we know what happens to nick he gets fucking disemboweled but i mean he could get better he <laughs> i got better <laughs> uh, so there's there is this overarching story which is extremely interesting you will if you're like me you will find that you will start these these entries and end have no more and be incredibly sad because this wiki dot has not been updated. I think the last time they updated it was in 2014, 2015, maybe 2017, but only to say hi kind of thing. Um, there, there are, it's not a, com- a complete set of 200. There are titles, but no stories on some of them. There are some that don't even have titles, just numbers and no stories. So I invite you to go and explore this world become infatuated with it and also be sad with me because there is nothing more yeah it didn't take off well it didn't take off and it's also one of those situations where i feel that it in a good way yes it not being complete is yes. good because remember this is all based on the premise that this person found this journal uh-huh 
I think there's pictures on the wiki dot too. Yeah, and so the journal could just happen to be destroyed or, you know, you pick up just a few scraps of it or the rest of it is written in some sort of archaic language, you that know? nobody can decipher, right? Exactly. Right. And it's, it is, if you like the SCP Foundation, if you're into that kind of storytelling, <clears throat> you will like this because it is in the same vein, mysterious, wonderful, horrifying, but always, always interesting, always captivating in the way that the SCP Foundation, I feel at times can be too much. This book or this set of stories is rather not enough, but that's what makes it amazing because not, there's not enough. Not just that. It kind of gives you the whole like now you can kind of build your own mm-hmm. kind of like how you were talking about SCP like SCP you can actually put in your own entries and now you have to go through some sort of committee for it to the, get accepted. There's like a vetting yeah there's like a voting process for it but in the same vein now that you've mentioned that Gwen there are actually if you look for keys if you look for if you look at the Calgary keys some other entries will come up there are other cities that people have made their own sets of keys and uh, there, some of them are very good. Some of them are not amazing, but they're there. And so I hope this kind of like not only starts you on, on the Calgary keys, but also set, starts you looking in other cities because there are cities. I think Chicago has one. Somebody made a, a set of Chicago's keys and something else. I know I have them all bookmarked somewhere <laughs> because I, they were interesting to me. Yeah. And so I, if you, there's not one in your city, I, if you're, if you got a little bit of a writing itch, I think you should go for it because it's such an open format it's so good and so like i have always kind of loved writing yeah and i even have kind of written a short story myself a short like horror story it's good no she, it's not. she doesn't think it is but it's it scared me it's terrible it scared me because it's based in reality um it's based on where she works it's based on her experiences and it's terrifying to me so after hearing about the calgary keys um we do have a lot of like broken down buildings and abandoned Where houses and stuff like that. And now, like, I can't look at them the same way, especially being one who likes to story tell. Yeah, you're like, a storyteller. I, I'm, I'm a DM in Dungeons and Dragons, so yeah. I love telling stories, especially if I can make them as fantastical as possible. Yeah. And the city that we live in is kind of separated in the in old town. And then there's the new areas, right? Exactly. And the old town parts of it are almost frozen in time. You can look at them and you can imagine what they were like in the 50s. And, and yeah. it's pretty It's pretty cool and also a little sad because if you go into the downtown area, which used to be the big hustle and bustle part of the city back in the day, it's desolate. It's all businesses and there's nothing going on there. And there's a lot of empty, like, like Gwen was saying, there's a lot of vacant buildings. There's a lot of stories you could think of, especially like there are already stories. Um, if I think if you put two and two together for a lot of the things that I'm about to say, you'll know where we are. And if you can guess... Hurrah. Uh, I don't know why we're being so secretive. It's just, that's just how we are. But um, there's an old courthouse here that has like a million stories attached to it. That it's haunted and it's, nobody can go in it because it's full of asbestos. And there's just, there's a lot of history there that you could, you could draw on and make something like this. Well, more interesting still is that during, now I don't remember the exact dates just because the person who told it to me wasn't being you know 
incredibly forthcoming with all this information. However, we do have a bomb shelter here. What? So I don't know that. I told you about it the other day. Um, I must not have been listening. I'm intrigued. So we do have a bomb shelter here that's no longer active. But like after the Calgary Keys, it's like, okay, how can I turn this, you know, abandoned bunker and make it something super interesting and special and mystery? Yeah. You know, like it's just that kind of stuff that gets my my juices going in more ways than one. (laughs) (laughs) No, but there's there's a lot of historical stuff here. There's a lot of a lot of different buildings that are important uh, in our personal history here in our city's history. And they're all defunct. They're all sitting there quietly empty with nothing going on. I'm sure there are plenty of hobos living in there because we do have a huge homeless population here as well, which in itself, if you ask me, could be one of those stories. Maybe they're not homeless people. Yeah. You know, maybe they're a group of they're they're an organization. There's a lot of different ways that, that you can look at your world and see the other side. Yeah. And I love that. That is the kind of storytelling that is rooted in realism that is some of the most just down home amazing stories. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. So but, you yeah. know, just remember, look at the world around you, take it in for what it is. And imagine it just a little bit spookier. And if you see something out of the corner of your eye and you're like, what the fear? Oh, that's she's getting really good at that. Um, And I hope you enjoyed this particular Calgary Keys centered uh, episode. We wanted to to take a step away from the true crime for a little bit, because as much as I enjoy it, um, there are other things on the Internet that are interesting and are more fantastical than true crime. That is something that you can enjoy, be afraid of, feel the fear of, but it's not real. Yeah. Because the world is already so fucking miserable as it is. Sometimes we want to just give you a fantastical story to ride away on. Yeah. You know, and and I think I mentioned the SCP Foundation. I'm sure we'll do an episode on that someday, sometime soon. I just feel like that's already so. It's been. It's very saturated, isn't yeah. it? But that, I think what we might do is pick our favorite ones, like we've done with the keys, and we'll probably. Con- but I do. Did we mention the staircase in the in the forest? Yes, and that's one that I do want to cover, just because it's so. Yes. Like for me, that's one of my favorite creepy pastas. It's so good. If you don't know what we're talking about. I think we'll do one on creepypastas. We'll do an episode specifically on creepypastas. Well we, well, we can do... So, I don't know if any of you guys know who David Politis is. David Politis, yeah. But I would like to do kind of a merger of those two because they, they are so they, similar. They're so similar. He does... David Politis is a private uh, ex-cop and a private investigator now who is searching a bunch of mysterious disappearances in the forest. He's got a book and a documentary called Missing 411. And his whole thing is um, people dis- disappearing under mysterious circumstances, usually in a forest, but sometimes not. In a national park. In a national more, park, More yes. often than not. And they're usually found in bodies of water and also found in areas that have already been well searched during their disappearance, but yet not found kind yeah. of situation. And considering that both these kind of phenomenon happen in national parks, I kind of want to merge them together. Yes. Um, because, not to shit on David Politis, but he's a kook. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, but the interesting part, and I, and I say that you guys should look into it if you haven't already, because 
take what he has to say with a grain of salt, but the cases of missing people are real. They are important. They should be shared because someone out there has to know something. And this is one way that we solve crimes is by talking about it to other people. So please look into it if it interests you even just a little bit. If they are sad and they are mysterious, but they are super interesting. And even his quirky, weird idea about it is a very, very interesting take on it. It really is. It is a, it is a ride. So if you've not heard of it, please look into it. But yes, I think you should. Not to, and it, well, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna give you guys a preview of every episode that we're gonna do, but it's just something that we wanna sit down and talk with you about it for a while because um, this podcast was something that we were just kind of doing by the seat of our pants, just for fun. But now, <laughs> Gwen, Gwen and I have had conversations for the past couple of days like, man, I can't wait to do this episode because I can't wait to talk to talk to them about this and I can't wait to talk about that. And the Calgary Keys was one of the ones that we, we united on and was like kind of, to me, is giving the real flavor of the podcast. It's not just about true crime. It is about all the things that you and I, Gwen and I, uh, look at online. Or, you know. Or you guys, yeah, by all means. But it's kind of a celebration of all the things that we found online that we have nobody to talk to about. Yeah. It's one of those things that we're just like, oh, I love this, but nobody's doing anything about it. Like, there are no videos on YouTube about the Calgary Keys. I mean, there are some, and it's just a reading, which is what we did, just a reading. Um, because we didn't, you know, I could do a whole episode on just the lore of it. I would love to. So you guys can let me know if that's something that you want to hear. But it's just one of those things that if you look up the SCP or you look up any creepypasta, there are minimum 500,000 videos about them. Yeah. But the Calgary Keys, I would say there's only one or two channels covering them. And it's just such an amazing story. So for the future, I want you guys to remember that it's not just true crime we would be we'll be co- uh, covering creepy pastas, internet mysteries. There's some internet mysteries that I want to look at and talk to you guys about as well that I've been doing a little research for. Just anything that's weird and dark and mysterious and a little spooky and a little fun. I agree. Yeah. Um. I like spooky stuff. I'm pretty sure all of you, or else you wouldn't be here. <laughs> um. But not all. Hello, of it friends. Has, but not all of it has to be real. Not all of it has to be real. So, again, these are all things that make you say what the fear is, Gwen would say. Yes. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you guys next week, because now we're doing weekly. Yeah, it seems uh, I I got a little excited. (laughs) All right. See you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. Intro and outro music provided by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. The track is Dark Walk, and you can find the link in the description below.